confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. An Elio's original. My name is Carrie Kenny, and I am guest hosting for the lovely Leslie, who is going to be away from the microphone for a little bit. And I'm going to do a few episodes. Hopefully, I can I can do them justice for her. If you don't know who I am, I'm an actress. I do comedy. Uh, you may remember me from a little television program called Reno 911, where I played a fake police officer. Um, I don't know. I'm on all kinds of TV shows and movies and crap like that. But most importantly, I like to bake and I like to sew and I like to weave and I like to make crap that no one ever sees, but that I appreciate doing. So I'm going to talk to some other makers, doers, movers, shakers. Michael Ian Black. Hi. I'm sure most people don't know that I've known you for 31 years. And we met when we were freshmen at NYU. Mm-hmm. But you were young. You were like 16. I think I had just turned 17. You just turned 17. You are 14 going on 15. I am. That's not how that goes. Um, you were a, just a youngin. And we met in our creative writing class, mm-hmm. I immediately was drawn to you. Well, I think my first words to you, or close to my first words to you, were, you look like a Muppet. <laughs> Which is, if you don't know me yet and you want to meet me out in the world, that's a great <laughs> opening line. Um, and I was like, you get me. But I didn't mean it. I, I mean, I, I kind of meant it as a compliment. I took it as a compliment. Otherwise, we wouldn't yeah. be here today. It wasn't at all meant to be insulting. And you were wearing a yellow T-shirt that said Mr. B on it and purple overalls that you then wore for 25 years. Yeah, about that. We then went on to be members of a comedy group called The New Group, which became The State. And we had a show on MTV together. We had a show called Viva Variety on Comedy Central together. Mm-hmm. So we've worked together and been bestest of friends for, for, for decades and decades. And one thing that I think a lot of people know about you, but I think when people don't know and they hear about it, it's, it's surprising to them, is that you are... I don't know if avid is the right word, obsessive, possibly 
um, mm-hmm. uh, poker player. That's right. I play a lot of poker and think about poker a lot and read about poker a lot. Oh, you read about and, it too. And study it. But here's the ultimate thing is that I'm not that good at it. I, I doubt that. You still have a house and a car and a wife. All of which were gained with poker money. Oh, I, I I won my wife at a poker game. I thought she was too pretty for you. She was she was with Toby McGuire. <laughs> you put down that ace and, and then mm-hmm. she hopped in your in your Chrysler <laughs> and off you went. So when you started playing poker, I don't remember when you started. What I remember is that all of a sudden you would disappear for long periods of time. And we were like, what happened to Michael? And you were like down by the airport. Uh, playing poker with a bunch of older Korean men eating steaks at eight in the morning. That's racist. They were also Armenian. Uh, Touche. I actually started playing poker as a kid uh, before I even knew you. We we would have uh, like family poker nights, which were just my my brother and my stepbrother and my mom and her partner and and they, they would have these poker chips and we'd just sit around the kitchen table playing poker for no money, just for for poker chips. And I always thought that was really fun. Uh, so I played it a lot. I mean, we did that, what, maybe once a month, if that, uh, when I was a kid. And then when I was in my early 20s, maybe, yeah, probably in my early 20s, I decided that I wanted to take up poker again. I don't know. I don't remember why. Um, I think I had heard that there was a poker game hosted by a comedian named Eddie Brill, mm-hmm. who who for years was uh, Letterman's warm-up guy. Yeah. And he hosted this uh, weekly poker game at his at his house on St. Mark's Place uh, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I guess I got an invitation one week and went and, dis- and, and, and lost, I don't know, $40, $80, $100, whatever it was, and decided that I wanted, I wanted to learn how to, how to be good at poker and I was willing to lose money every week at Eddie Brill's to get good. And and you and you did. Well, no, I don't think I ever got good. I don't think I ever won much at Eddie Brill's house, but it did reawaken in me a uh, affinity and love for poker. I remember when this was happening, everybody in our circle was kind of joining in. I remember there was an illegal, I don't know if you call it illegal, like a secret poker club. Well, that, right. So that came right? later. So this was... Years after that, when you you and I and our Viva Variety, Variety pals, Tom Lennon and Ben Grant moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that poker is legal in Los Angeles. Yeah, you discovered you that. Can, I did. <laughs> I didn't know that when we I didn't move out there because of that, although I would have. Yeah, well, you should you would have moved out maybe sooner. That, yes, that would have been enough reason for me to go out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, in L.A., in California in general, uh, card rooms are legal because the house doesn't take a percentage like in casinos. As long as the house doesn't make money, it's legal in California. So you so, can play with friends. You can play in your... in your. You, you can play with yeah. friends. You can play with, at, in, at, at a, uh, at a, at a uh, Kiwanis club. Sure. But they also have these huge essentially casinos that you can go. They're poker rooms, um, but they're like casinos that you would see in Las Vegas or someplace else. Now, I know you're and, not, you're not, a, a, you've never been a, obsessive about it. Like, like 
I mean, you you do you play many hours of poker for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's not something, and I and I other people have have said to me like, "What? Oh, he oh he's he's playing poker again." He's and it's like you have to really know you or know someone like you that is. It's not a you have a you have a limit. You're you're not. It's not a. Oh, I'm. I'm never playing for money, enough money that it's going to really affect my life one way or the other. You're paying uh, for the time. You're paying for your entertainment, right? Yeah. I'm playing because uh, we have a friend named Lisa and she used to date a professional gambler. Right. We used to call poker we, we used to call him grown up man because yeah, he was, was maybe five years older than us and we thought he was a grown-up <laughs> so we would call him grown-up man because he had like real furniture that wasn't like milk crates holding his records that's right and his whole job was playing poker and this was at the height of the poker boom in 2003 there was a guy named chris moneymaker that's his real name no who what yes who was an amateur poker player who won a seat at the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas on the internet and won the whole World Series, the big main event of the World Series of Poker. Right. And when, and when that happened, it was televised and it generated what they call now the poker boom. And this guy who our friend dated was sort of riding that boom. Um, and I was fascinated with him because he was doing this at a very high level uh, as his full time job, and he, but he was and making I, like a lot of money. But, but yeah, I remember yeah. she would come home and she would say, how, you know, that he had made this like a, a huge amount of money, and then she would come home and say, like, he's not in the best mood. He just lost, and it was some crazy number, insane, insane, insane numbers. Insane numbers. Like not just for entertainment. Like this was he was like the ex, oh, no. he was the X Games version of poker player. Oh yeah, there was a small circle of elite poker players. Uh, at that time, sort of internationally, and he was one of those guys. And I asked her once about his poker playing, and she explained it to me. I thought very eloquently that he was trying to order the universe. In other words, he was trying to kind of put everything, make the universe make sense, and he could do it in that very small microscopic way which is at a poker table i mean don't we all don't we all kind of do that i do that and i'm not just trying to be silly i do that like with the channel changers on my coffee table (laughs) like i have a tray and the channel changers go on the goddamn tray and they go in order from large to small and i if they're not in order there's part of me that can't concentrate when i'm in my office in another room trying to write because the channel changers are not in order from large to small on the tray on the coffee table i am so fun to live with i think that's what a lot of people are doing with their uh hobbies or just they or, have something in or their obsession, life or obsession ob- ocd obsessions obsessions yeah. um and that's what poker playing is for me it's like if you can master this thing, which you know can't be mastered, because the, because unlike putting the channel changers in order, there is randomness involved. There's a certain amount of luck involved, and you can't really control what cards come out. You can't really control the outcome of any given hand, and you can't really control what somebody else is going to do. Mm. But you sort of have that illusion that you can. And when things kind of line up just the right way and just the way you plan them— 
you win the pot, which is satisfying and great. But more than that, you feel like you've sort of defeated luck. You've mm. defeated randomness. Right. I can't just walk away with free money. <laughs> right. I mean, look what I just did. What an exhilarating feeling. And, you know, you're kind of talking me into wanting to become a obsessive gambler because if you think about when like i'm you know been learning golf over the last several years and when i leave a bad game i don't get i it's fine like oh well you know i could have done better it's not a big deal but when i do well there is Mm -hmm. definitely an exhilarating feeling of like wow i couldn't do that yesterday i did it today and a, a sense of accomplishment but i I leave with less money in my pocket. If I could leave there feeling like, wow, I did great and I got fucking paid for it. The money is a huge part of it because it is exhilarating to walk out of a casino with a stack of $100 bills in your pocket. There's no question that that is exciting. And conversely, when you lose, uh, there is something I wouldn't, you know, you feel terrible. You feel just awful, but there's also something kind of delicious about that pain. and About having to you know, go home and be like, listen, family, we're not going to eat for one week. We could all use to lose it. Right. Your life. family is very, very overweight. Yes. <laughs> um, and the, well, the reason we've been able to stay relatively in shape is because some weeks we can't afford <laughs> to eat. You know, I remember when we were... I think it was my first time in Vegas and Ken Marino was there. I don't remember why we were there. Maybe we were shooting Viva Variety and he was there visiting or something. But I remember we walked into a casino and I had never really like I played poker at some of these like fun, you know, people's houses for fun. But I had not really done the, you know, walked into a a casino and and played. And I remember we were sitting at a table. Or no, 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 we weren't even sitting at a table. We walked by a table and Ken Marino, I remember, laid a $1,000 down on the table. And that was a lot of money to us. And he laid $1,000 down and he turned to me, he goes, Carrie, black or red? And I was like, what? Don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. And I was like, um, black? And it, and he won. And then he- Right, that's, rou- that's he, roulette. That's he, a different that's, game. That's, I mean, the, the exhilaration- but it kept going. And then he laid that down. <laughs> Carrie, black or red? And I was like, no. And it went higher, higher, higher until I picked the wrong thing. He lost everything. We couldn't have been standing there for longer than a minute and a half. Right. And he won all this money before my eyes and then lost everything. And we then we went to the buffet and he was good with it. Right. So right. poker is a much smoother, slower Oh, much slower. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it isn't always, but it, it generally yeah. is much, much slower. Yeah. Um, and that's another, that's another fun thing about it is that when you sit down at a table with Koreans and Armenians yes. and whoever else is there. Right. Uh, what, <laughs> et cetera. And, it, and the rest. There's, well, yeah, ethnics in general. There is a narrative that kind of unfolds over hours of play. So it's not just that you're playing a single hand at a time. You're also playing what they call the the metagame, yes. which is a kind of larger narrative that that uh, develops between all the different players. So I might have a relationship with one player because 
I beat him out of a hand a, a, a while ago and he's mad at me or uh, vice versa. There's a whole drama that plays there's out underneath. There's a whole psychodrama. And you like that. that. You like that aspect it. to it. So are there ever, I mean, I see it on TV, and but I feel like it's a cliche, but does it happen in real life? Is anyone ever sitting there with sunglasses and a baseball hat? Yes, For that does real. happen. So because they don't want to, uh, they don't want to give away their, 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 their t- or is it just yeah, an intimidation think, factor? I don't know why people do it because you're not, I think it's such a douchey thing to do. It's douchey. It is. It's douchey. I mean, if you have headphones on, it might just be because you're listening to a podcast. Fine. But there are guys who, you know, will show up with like the sunglasses. Listen. And honestly, for like the amount of money that we're playing for. Which, you know, it's not insignificant. You could have $1,000 in the middle of a pot. But, you know, we're not playing for tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. We're not right. professional poker players. Right. Take your sunglasses off, jackass. Just calm and down. And if you are listening to this podcast right now while you're playing poker, bet it all on black. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the main advice I want to give to poker okay. players. Just bet it all on black. <laughs> I know a lot. About poker. Yep. You uh, know that. That's the most important thing. No, I get it. I get paying. You know, I get you're paying for your time. You're paying for your entertainment. Um, I, you know, we'll go out and, and you know, spend a day at, you know, we went to this stupid fair recently in a fancy town here in Southern California, and it was 300 bucks. We were there for, for two and a half hours. And, you know, so why we could have actually, and we didn't win any, we didn't win money. Right. You could have been sitting there silently stewing. With sunglasses on, listening to a podcast, betting it all on black. That's right. But instead you chose to be with your family. Who's, Who's the idiot, Carrie? They're such downers. But the other thing I like about it is uh, that I get away. It's a way for me to um, just kind of lose myself in something, yeah. which you know is is common for everybody when they when they when they develop something, you know, a hobby or something that they're passionate about. You just get away from whatever whatever sort of day to day anxiety you have, and you funnel it into some other anxiety. I get it because I'm an introvert, and people say like, "No, you're not an introvert. You love to talk. You love to this." Uh, but all it means is that I fuel, I get fueled by sort of alone time or quiet mm-hmm. sort of brain game time if it's knitting or, you know, working something out or whatever. So I do get that. I get I like the idea of you're out in public. It's a quote unquote social situation. But you, there's a, there's a game to it. There's an activity to it. And I mm-hmm. like I personally don't understand like cocktail parties. I don't get it. I don't get what do we what do we I, I always feel what if, what if you could win money at the cocktail yes. party? Then you'd love and it. Sure. Or if it, there was a, a game like let's make a game. Let's let's or I always find myself at parties in the kitchen. What is there something I can do to help? Oh, these need stacking. This needs I need a I need a an activity. So the idea right. of I'm in public, I'm being social and there's an activity there's a we're all trying to solve this puzzle and at the end of this puzzle one of us walks away with money and the rest of us Die. lose our homes right <laughs> i think it's fantastic now uh poker is not your your only hobby and there there is a hobby of yours that i think probably nobody knows about except myself and your wife uh maybe a few other people some state members you paint i paint is that what you just said? yes when do i paint okay Karen? michael 
when we were... Oh, don't, don't, don't. don't. No, Michael, this is important that the world knows. (laughs) It's time. It's time. There was... There was a reason. Mm-mm, mm-mm. There are several projects that exist on this planet, and I wish to God we could <laughs> find them. And I think everyone needs to start Googling away on eBay and Craigslist because somewhere in the world exists, okay, a, a stool that is painted. Every, every surface of this stool is painted with the little prince. Am I wrong? I mean, I think you're exaggerating. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. You painted and listen, I I'm th- I'm celebrating you. I think this is incredible and it's one of the many things that I love about you that when we were in our 20s, early 30s, you you are coming home after shooting a show or doing whatever you're doing and being cool and young and hip and you're getting out your paints and you're painting. You didn't just paint a stool with the little prince. I remember you went over to was it you who painted Joe's bathtub? That's right. Okay. It was my bathtub. At uh, it was your bathtub. The this Now, New York City apartments, sometimes, you know, there's a bathtub in a strange place. And in this case, it was in the kitchen. It was in the kitchen. It was in the kitchen. and But it had a cover on it. And it would the cover would lift up. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, of course, there's a, a bathtub here um, under the cutting board. And you painted the inside lid a, I want to say, a winter snow right. scene. It was a winter snow scene, uh, uh, ice skaters from the 19th (laughs) century. But you need to understand something. Yes, yes. Oh, I understand completely. No, you don't. Yes, I do. This was wildly mischaracterized. I am celebrating you. Mocked me for years about this. Take this this wrong. This is an ultimate celebration. This is an announcement (laughs) to the world that you thought you loved Michael Ian Black. Well, guess what, motherfucker? You had no idea how lovable he really was. At the time, Carrie. Please. At the time. I would like to hear more. Like with poker. Yes. I thought to myself, what I would like to do is learn how to draw in paint. Yes. You, had, you Listen, you have a very defensive tone right now. And I want you to understand that there's <laughs> nothing mocking about this. <laughs> because the winter scene yes. on, the bottom, on the bathtub lid has been the source of mockery in my family. Michael. Uh, from my wife. For low <laughs> these 25 years. Listen, at this point, we are aging people. That's no, right. The cool police aren't even knocking on our door anymore because they have passed us by. There is no one checking our credentials, our, our hipster right. Gen X credentials. That that my that ship, my friend, has sailed. So I think at this point, we celebrate in things like this. But the, the winter scene specifically happened because... <laughs> um, I didn't know I did, I wanted to copy something yeah. to paint. And I had this big canvas lid with nothing on it. Yes, Michael, and, of course. And my my girlfriend at the time uh who you may remember I don't. Angela. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had for some reason this calendar, maybe her mom gave it to her mm. of a watercolorist whose name I believe was Maurice Pendergrass, but that could be incorrect. Oh, my God. The fact that you remember that. Could be incorrect. Um, and one of the months was that winter scene. And so I thought, well, let me just try to paint this. Okay. It didn't, the, the subject matter didn't matter to me. It was just that it looked achievable. Okay. Now, I will say, I also painted a stool. Yes! Uh, that's after right. After the little prince. I painted a little prince 
stool. Yes. Which was, frankly, adorable. Uh, Michael, it was incredible. And I'm telling you, we need to, to get on the Google machine and find these pieces. They're going to be worth a lot of money. This college is not free anymore. Was it ever yeah, no, free? No, just Google bathtubs and I'm sure it will come Yes. Up. It might be like a, it's like a, in a museum next to a fake Banksy. <laughs> we don't know. Um, now here's something you may not know, which is I got a call from your wife in total terror and desperation one night because you guys had just purchased this apartment or you were living in this. No, you had just purchased your first home here in California and oh, yeah. you had decided that you were going to be now P.S. your wife is a professional interior decorator. She wasn't at the time. No, but come on. She was an aspiring professional decorator. Now she is an incredible professional decorator. And you, my friend, my comedy friend, had said to your wife, I am going to let I am going to take care of the painting in this dining room in our first ever house. I got this. You can go put your feet up toots while i do this and this is what you chose do you recall what you chose for the for the border first of all it was a border who paints a border in a live in a in a dining room it was going to be like a border at the top of the room yes and do you remember what the subject matter was all i remember was it was some sort of whimsical character (laughs) yeah it was profiles of people (laughs) (laughs) it was people's profiles in your dining room just all around the dining room like you do. Um, uh, I'm just going to let that sit for people to take in. We didn't do it because... No. Because oh, she, no, no. She yelled, at, she yelled at me. Yeah. Well, who who gave her the fire to, to do the yelling? I did. I said, right. if, I, if you need to get me on the phone to explain why this is a terrible idea, I will do it. I will squash... I love Michael. I will squash his artistic fire in a heartbeat because I don't want to eat in your dining room if there's profile faces painted on the ceiling on the i also i sponge painted oh yes you did a lot of that uh, yeah i was doing a lot of sponge painting yeah it was purple uh, right am i wrong sublet i did did, i think i did different i think i did different colors at different times Mm, i remember a a movie i remember a movie sponge there was something Mm -hmm. like that Mm-hmm. And there was something sort of uh, terracotta-esque mm. at one point. Nothing goes better with mauve than terracotta sponging. <laughs> now, I should say that now you and your wife live in a home that is so beautiful that you designed, that your wife decorated, that it was on the cover of the New York Times uh, uh, architecture section, right? Design section. Well. Yes. Uh, well, I didn't design it. it would, an, I, you, I know, and I know you know I didn't design it. I think we had an architect. Yes, but you did it. You you were yes, but you you it was your you did it together. It's not like yes, it. We all, you didn't buy. Yeah, we didn't, you didn't buy. No, a, no, no. Yeah. No, we worked on it together, and the, the New York Times thing is a uh, also a source of embarrassment to me because I n- would never want to be one of those people who is showing off their house. But the architecture firm that we worked with ended up hiring my wife when she was going through interior Yes, because she's so talented. Because she was good. And, you know, she has, and they recognized that and yeah. hired her. And so the principal architect 
um, I'll just say who they are because they're terrific. Yeah. Deborah Birkin Associates. Yes, incredible. Uh, it it would be uh, it, they wanted her to agree to do this little profile because it would be good for them and because Martha thought, well, maybe it'll be good for her too if she ever desi- decides to open her own studio. Listen, so you're doing a agree. lot. You're doing a lot of justifying. You're justifying your gross. scenic it's painting. Gross. You're justifying your house. These are all things we all are aspiring to, Michael. And I think no, they're no, no, fantastic. That's gr- it, it, it's gross, and it wasn't the cover. It was like a it was like a personal living thing in one section. Okay, it wasn't like some big spread. Now that we're on a roll, is there anything else really embarrassing about you that I could haven't brought up yet? Because I feel like there's got to be more. Oh, I'm sure there is, but I tend to I like I tend to uh, to bury it. Yeah. And then, until you bring it up, like I had no idea what you were talking. You know about what? The painting. I'll look and back. Then I knew I'll look, exactly what you meant. I'll just quickly look back uh, through my journals, all my journaling, mm-hmm. my diary, and um, and I'll I'll come up with it, and we'll make this a two parter. Um, in the meantime, Michael, um, you're a super smart guy. You skipped a grade in school, and and you've just always been like sort of my smart friend, and. Um, you're incredible with like words with friends and all your little puzzling and your pokering and all your fancy, <laughs> all your fancy brain games. So I was wondering, I was looking up some, uh, some hobbies, um, to see like, what do other people do? Like, I know the kind of basics, right? Um, right. and so I looked up some that I had never heard of and I, I just want to do a quick quiz with you and you tell me, uh, if any of these, uh, ring a bell. Um, okay. I'm going to start with an easy, a couple easy ones. Herping, 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 H E H E R P I N G herping. Is that the, uh, the receiving and giving of herpes? Oh, if only, uh, no, that's herpesing. This is herping the search uh, for amphibians and reptiles. Just the search. Oh, of course. Just searching course, for. Because that's like snake, snake, snake things. Snake searching. Looking for snakes yeah. and stuff. That's mm-hmm. what I call it when I do it. Right. Um, animal fancy. Animal, animal fan- fancy. It's a thing. Mm. Animal fancy. You give up? Well, I know the yeah. I know the magazine Dog Fancy and Cat Fancy. Sure. No, this is all animals. It's animal fancy. And if you are animal fancying, if you are an animal fancier, uh animal fancy, the definition is appreciation, promotion, or breeding of domestic animals. So technically anyone who oh, right. who thinks who goes, Hey, that dog's pretty cute, is performing animal fancy. So you're you it's it, you're literally you fancy such and such animal. Yeah, I, li- I fancy that dog well, and I, I fancy that cat. Yeah, and I fancy that uh, snake, which I am herping. herping. That's right. Do you hate it or do you fancy it? Mm-hmm. Why I fancy it? Okay, speed cubing. Oh well, that obviously everybody knows that. What David Wayne does that. Okay, that's. That's just solving Rubik's Cubes as fast as you possibly can. Okay, but guess what? I knew you were going to say that. Technically, it's not just Rubik's Cubes. This is the official definition of speed cubing. Solving twisty puzzles Uh as quickly as possible. 
Right. And and I did know that there are other kinds of puzzles, three-dimensional puzzles, yeah. other than Rubik's Cube. Generic. There's pyramids. There's coils yeah. like snakes. Okay. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. Now you, now you act like you know what you're talking about. Okay. This one, I don't think you're going to get. And I and I actually looked up the, the, the pronunciation because I didn't want to screw the pooch on this because I am an animal fancier. Fulachily. 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 Philatchily. Philatchily. And I will spell it for you. P H I L A T E L Y. Philatchily. Is that just Italian blowjob? Yes, it is. And I got you a Groupon for one. Um, No, (laughs) it's stamp collecting. Now, why can't we just say stamp collecting? Oh, right. I did know that. Once, Once you say it, there are certain words there, like that's one of them, and then yeah. whatever the term for butterfly collecting is right. one of those. But why are we words. saying that? Why are we having to say this? Why am I having to look up pronunciations? Why can't you just say you have a stamp collection? Right, when you could just say, uh, "You're exhausting me, non-existent person." Okay, here's here's a, two more. Fusillately, fusillately, yeah, fusillately. This is a Fusilate. this is a hobby. Fusillately. I have no idea. Phone card collecting, because I guess they have artwork on them, and some people actually collect them, and it's called fusillately. Oh. All this shit that you could die not knowing, and you'd be perfectly fine. Um, I would be fine. Last one. Philumeny. Philumeny. P-H-I-L-U-M-E-N-Y. And it's... Philumeny. Philumeny. Match collecting. Uh. Collecting matches, matchbooks, anything oh. related to matches. Yeah, that that all seems so desperately uninteresting. Yeah, to me. yeah. So someone's hobby is coming up with useless terms for shit that you right. doesn't need a term because it already has a term. The term is right. match collecting. I collect matchbooks and matches. Oh, oh, you're a phenomenoner. Yes, I am. You do but, I, but really, what I do is I collect matchbooks. Yeah, from places. Okay, and matches. So you're when I was a kid, I used to collect uh, comic books, specifically Superman comic books. Okay, so that term is supremia flu monarolini. Yeah, that one I know. Right, because that, I used to be a supremaline. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Um. So, all right. Um. Are you going to teach me how to play poker? Oh yeah, I mean, um, yes, of course. But um, but you already know the main thing, which is just bet on black. That's right. Okay, and guess what I did today when I called you, Michael Ian Black. I put it all on black. Well, always bet on black, baby. Always bet on black. I don't know, guys. We're doing the best we can over here. (laughs) Um, I love you. I love you. Thank you for talking to me. My absolute pledge. Okay. I'll call you soon. Leslie will be back from hiatus in a few weeks. In the meantime, we have more episodes from the wonderful Carrie Kenny to come. Does listening to Filling the Void fill your void? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Powered by ACAST.